Welcome to today's episode of the Design Leadership Podcast, where we will be speaking with Anna Asensio, currently Vice President and Head of Design at Dassault Systems, a world leader in digital design services and software solutions, including 3D modeling and rapid prototyping. Anne will speak to us about her career journey spanning many decades, including over two decades in the heavily male-dominated automotive industry. Anne has been championing for strategic design for many years and is currently sitting on the board of directors for the World Design Organization, helping to create more awareness, impact, and support for industrial design and strategic design across the globe today. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Jay, for inviting me. Great. Uh, looking forward to the discussion today and hearing about your amazing background and the insights you have to share. Uh, as we get going, Anne, and we learn a little bit uh, about your current role, can you tell us about your background? Uh, what has your journey looked like and how have you gotten to where you are today? Well, uh, Jay, I'm French, <laughs> so I'm born in Versailles, near Paris, and uh, I I think I always wanted to be a designer without knowing it was des about design. Uh, I don't know if you know Versailles. It's a beautiful city. In some ways, we can call it artificial city because it, it's very consistent. Uh, around the castle of uh, Louis XIV, uh, all of the uh, buildings, uh, the streets, the furniture on the streets, everything is so well designed to the highest standards that I thought maybe that's the way cities look like all around the world. But uh, I suddenly realized by traveling when I was started to, to, to travel in different uh, locations, first in Europe, but also in uh, other countries, I realized how lucky I was to live in such a beautiful, uh, humanized, uh, aesthetic uh, city. So it probably did grow uh, uh, an intense uh, aesthetic sensibility. So very early on, I wanted to uh, to do something around uh, being creative, uh, drawings, uh, sculpting. So I basically, uh, I was good in school. My parents, uh, my dad uh, was an engineer. So the natural thing in France, you know, when you, you, you want to, and when you're successful in school, you go for engineering schools or scientific schools because the French are really good in those uh, matters. But I felt very, uh, very incomplete uh, with uh, engineering and mathematics. Uh, sounds very dry. So I started to do sculpture in the Beaux-Arts, and uh, I was trying to find my path between uh, scientific, uh, I will say, component of uh, of career and, and, and being creative. This is why I became a designer, but I didn't know it was uh, something um, for me. You have to know in France, and that's something maybe people don't know because when you are an uh, English-speaking person or you live in, uh, even in the Nordics or uh, in the US or even in the UK, design is very well known. And by the way, uh, it took a long time in France to accept that term, the, 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 the word design, because for most French people, it comes from an English-speaking uh, language, uh, discarding entirely the fact that it comes from disegno, that it's Latin. But anyway, uh, we call uh, this uh, discipline, profession, uh, industrial aesthetic. <laughs> That's what I studied, basically. 
and uh, I, I feel very, uh, very blessed that I, I was resisting to my parents uh, that wanted me to be an engineer. And I'm very blessed to actually uh, uh, had a wonderful, wonderful life uh, as a designer so far. <laughs> That's a fantastic uh, background story, Anne, and those that are fortunate enough to have been in Versailles can uh, obviously understand and appreciate uh, the context and the culture. Um, so it's interesting to learn, uh, you know, your your influence and and your positioning. You had mentioned kind of the the STEM approach to traditional approach to to academia, science and math, and uh, and you gravitating more towards the arts, which we feel is missing. And in a whole another conversation, maybe we can circle back is uh, you know bringing the the steam back, um, mm-hmm. the arts uh, in, into the uh, into the academic. Uh, so you've you've um, gravitated towards design, or as as you said, the industrial aesthetic um, is, is maybe the French interpreted as. And you've had a, an amazing career journey uh, that we'll dig into a little bit later as well. Some some exciting roles prior to your current role. Um, thinking back about your let's say your professional career journey, going from designer to manager to leader, is there any key moments or memories that stand out as a catalyst or a defining moment that really helped to um, uh, elevate your your positioning in the industry or gravitate towards um, you know becoming more the manager or leader or anything that just stands out in your in your career historically yeah but uh, so I was getting into that you know often when you you start in your career things sounds very uh, you know uh, routinely uh, given to you, you know, are oh, you good at that? You just should do this, or your parents just want you to do uh, that kind of career. Uh, the tipping point for me was when I had to resist uh, to the pressure of my family for doing what I wanted to do, when at the same time I didn't know what was uh, what I wanted to do. I knew intuitively that there were a path that was between uh, aesthetic and science, but that path that was not in front of me clearly identified. We didn't have at the time strong design uh, institution or education. You should know that I started uh, basically uh, my my education in 81. Uh, Mitterrand was creating the first uh, French, uh, official French Academy for Design, uh, Les Ateliers NC. I was myself uh, studying uh, in, uh, in uh, I will say, consular schools uh, or Beaux-Arts. So uh, to, to basically resist to my parents about the career they wanted to me, I basically had to leave uh, France, took a route back, and I went to Greece. And I spent three months there just working and uh, looking at the antiques. And uh, I came back very strongly uh, I will say built to resist to anything. Uh, I think, you know, I'm French, but I'm also, so the, the design uh, education was not a natural thing. It was not very well paved. And at the same time, I was a woman. And every uh, education on design, uh, and that basically steam into what would come next, uh, was a male-dominated world. Um, the way to do design in France was industrial, or architecture, and both were very, very male-dominated world. So I basically have built very soon and very, very early the belief that if I want a life I like, that means designing and changing the things, the way things are being proposed to you for more ethical or, or aesthetical one, 
that you need to resist. You should not just give up or let it go. You have to, to be able to actually impose yourself. And imposing doesn't mean fight. It means to, to be able to build uh, the right argument, to, to observe, to actually turn the argument people are pushing on you on the other side. So it's basically the art of negotiation. And I think this has been uh, something I discovered very, very early on. And when I moved then to, uh, to the decision also to, uh, to work on transportation, when I realized, by the way, that there were no transportation education in France, this is why I decided to go to the U.S., even if uh, I had already jobs uh, waiting for me after my, uh, my master in, uh, in France. And I decided that <laughs> against everyone. I said, why do you want to go in the U.S.? Because if you want to become a transportation designer, you have to be graduated, and you are a woman, and you are French, you have to be graduated by the best school ever. So I went to, I hesitated between Art Center and CCS. I was already working as an intern at Renault when I was doing my master in school. Uh, they were taking me as interns and an intern. And that's where I discovered basically the, the work, the dream job that I wanted to do at the time. And then I was able to basically uh, get uh, how you call it in English, you know, like a sum of money, you know, to study in the uh, abroad. And so that's what I did. And uh, this was very much the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the moment in my life that was probably the most difficult one is to impose yourself into what you wanted really to do. And this against... Uh, against all of the advice and, uh, and propositions that uh, they were made at the time. That's uh, a very insightful backstory. And I, I was just leading into the next set of questions about hurdles and roadblocks. And it seems that you've had quite a few that you've overcome, as you mentioned, some family reservations, uh, wanting to have maybe certain expectations of your career path and going a different way. Of course, being a, a female in a very male-dominated uh, industry or industries, architecture and later automotive. And uh, I, I appreciate um, your positioning, as you said, to oppose yourself in a, in a, in a good way, to build the argument yeah. and, and learn the and negotiation. You know, Jay, you know, Jay that uh, the, the, the French people, uh, we, we nurture uh, a particular uh, uh, positioning or posture or attitude, <laughs> if I want to use some of the words that designers use very often. It's revolution. We, we don't believe that sometimes we can be innovative or we can do something if they are not a strong uh, rupture or disruption with what's come uh, should come next. I don't want to go back to uh, uh, art uh, history, but uh, this uh, notion of uh, fight modernism, you know, how do you get newness in things? How do you uh, propose singularity? Uh, how do you come up with new concepts? This is so much into the way, uh, the French way of, uh, of thinking that it's uh, become almost like a, a great asset when you become a designer. Because that kind of French way of uh, addressing uh, creativity, in some ways with this uh, search for singularity and disruption at any price, was something that did help me a lot uh, in my career. After I graduated from CCS, I, uh, I get an offer from GM. And I decided after Chuck Jordan offered me the job, I said, no, I'm going to go back to France. I'm going to work for Renault. 
And when he looked at me, I was clearly seeing that he thought I was just making the, the worst decision of my life. And actually, I did the best one. Why? Because Renault at the time was not in good shape. And they were looking for a revival, a way of a very frugal transformation, a messy revolution. Actually, it's just happening right now again. And they were looking for just very new and very uh, bold idea. And when I started at Renault, it was exactly at the time they needed uh, something special. And I was there. I was this young kid from school and with huge ambition. It was almost, we were almost in a situation where it's your last chance to actually make a big impression. And we almost had this uh, total, uh, I will say, uh, clean uh, slate of for, for designers to actually uh, get something going. This is very special. You don't have that very often in your career. And for me, it was very much an accelerator. Uh, first, we were having uh, uh, very little time to learn a lot of things. Something that happened at Renault that barely happened, and it's very sometimes very uh, rare in some company, is where, you know, when you have to lift a company, the cross-disciplinarity happens, where the challenges are big, huge, and beyond each of the respective silos or discipline and function. Uh, it leads to, to a good and great collaborative work. So we often talk about design is a collaboration, is collaborative work. And then we also hear a lot about designers uh, uh, saying that it's very hard to actually have the other function to understand the value of design. When I was at Renault in the uh, 80s, uh, beginning of between 80 uh, and 90 uh, decade, it was um, absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, we had the marketing, the business guy, the engineering, the uh, you know the social researcher, uh, and the designers working uh, very nicely together, collaboratively defining uh, the portfolio, defining new concepts, and, and everybody knows what happened at Renault at that time. We came up with uh, outstanding concept, concept. I would say very much uh, in this uh, line of thoughts that French uh, appreciate, concept that really belong to the French speaking, because people say they sometimes may use a little bit uh, odd, but they did uh, an incredible thing. They made Renault uh, to reburn again, and uh, the, the re, the, the, when Renault was uh, in good shape again by design, they were able to actually buy Nissan and become the group that uh, we know today. Uh, so I had a chance very early on in my career to work in a big, large company, working in what I love to do, that was transportation design. But very quickly, I never had to do my job uh, basically as your specialized attitude in a particular uh, planning or product uh, life cycle. I had to basically get immediately outside of the comfort zone of what may be a design process and uh, to collaborate uh, with people who have a different language, business people, uh, engineering people. And that definitely uh, built you and make you very strong because you have to basically uh, survive or you just move, move away because the pressure is too high. So 
that was a really nice uh, opportunity for me to actually uh, ac access to a executive position very young. I end up to be uh, seated into uh, the design committee. I was in my uh, early uh, 30s and uh, I was the only woman uh, as designer. Uh, there were other women, but uh, not necessarily uh, on the design capacity. And, and that tells you accelerate your career pretty fast. <laughs> That's what I would say. That's, uh, you know, uh, I believe there's no mistake. So maybe serendipity, uh, as you said, it was uh, maybe the best choice to return to, to France and, and be in that situation, which is, as we know, maybe not typical. It maybe it's situational, whereas you said a revolution. We say when we have a, a you know, organization with, with the house on fire, it's easy to change things. You know, when things are going very well, it's difficult to change. So for you being in the mm -hmm. situation, as you said, to, exactly. to, be out, to be outside of the typical designer process and integrated in the business and, you know, um, the results speak for themselves. Of course, it's not all design, but when you take the collaborative effort you have and turned around Renault into the success, then it is a testament for, for design and, of course, uh, some of the leadership behind it. So very uh, amazing. And that's a piece of advice uh, because I, I I know what you try to do and I'm I'm so uh, so uh, uh, respectful for what you're trying to do you know to communicate or to help you know uh, uh, to 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 keep advice going and insight uh, going among the design community something that I've realized it's very important to provide your design insight when the situation not use uh, not uh, <laughs> useless but uh, very bad. Because in reality, when your business goes well, people are not just being stretched to actually get and reach the design value. Mm -hmm. You you sometimes, and, and I'm pretty sure you have plenty of examples where uh, we call design when it's it's a last call often. And clearly in um, in those uh, in, in those time at Renault. They were cutting things that, as an engineering company, because in France, you know, we are very much uh, driven with this engineering thinking. Uh, it's uh, aligned with technological thinking. And to basically realize and being able to actually take this decision that it goes beyond, uh, uh, we cannot afford another technology uh, fight. We're going to have to fight on another front. And the front was very social. It was very much uh, on the let's be very uh, frugal, but also very uh, uh, open to what uh, maybe our customers or what they may, uh, they may uh, need. So it was really the last chance. And this is really where we engage with social science research. We were using with the, uh, the very early uh, uh, constitute uh, uh, agencies that were working on uh, uh, what they call social vision, trying to understand what people really expect and, and often things they don't express as a need or an, an expectation. So getting into those weak signal was really key at that moment. And, and to just have this kind of a vision that you need to look at beyond just the traditional technological answer. This really framed my way of uh, thinking and consolidate my very strong uh, commitment, conviction, and, and the systematic argument that I'm making and still today 
in the balance in any uh, proposition, whatever it's uh, for a big company or if it's uh, for a, a startup or any young uh, entrepreneur to start, that if you start with an unbalanced value proposition, if your value proposition undermine uh, the uh, what people benefit maybe, what may be the uh, uh, the impact to 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 people, you basically can have a huge problem very soon. And uh, this is something I discovered very early. And I know that uh, with this. Uh, current uh, Silicon Valley narratives uh, and uh, startup and technology-driven society, it it sounds like, uh, what the hell are you talking about? But no, this is really the, 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 I would say, the value of design is to balance those two, uh, balance sheet in the the way you do your value proposition for, for, for a given company. And clearly, this is something that uh, leads to a, understanding how we can propose that, how design can basically be seen beyond just the aesthetization of the value proposition, but something much deeper that is really the balance of the overall impact we may have. So that's what I discovered very early on. So it was quite easy to uh, continue uh, on the top of the basic talent of being a great designer, proposing good uh, good fitness in, in your aesthetic proposition, in the way you, you create concepts that are uh, that just uh, eat, eat, the, eat the test of the, of the market but, and the customer. But then, uh, clearly, uh, if I want to get back to my career, it was funny enough to realize that uh, because I was well-known and, and put at the forefront of communication at Renault, that uh, GM that wanted to hire me when I get out of schools, uh, I couldn't get me, they came back. <laughs> they came back, and this time it, I said, I'm not going to say no to time. And so I went to, uh, to GM. And often uh, when, when we, we talk about, you know, what is the journey of design from product design to, to this extreme complexity design now is working with this intermediary period where design was really involved in the what we call the design system, the branding, to now being very much the uh, the orchestrator, the um, the uh, I will say the this notion of balance into the uh, expression of an experience for any things we do, wherever it's uh, housing, dwelling, mobility, uh, uh, consuming anything. It's it's quite natural because it's always about uh, ethic and aesthetic, about fitted with what is uh, happening in the world. Uh, so naturally, at GM, I, I did grow on this uh, branding and differentiation moment on the, on the full brands. I learned a lot about, I would say, the business value proposition of design. And, and the reason I, I stopped, uh, the reason I left GM is because I'm strongly cannot uh, only see design as a business purpose. This is not possible. So I decided to resist. I didn't want to be part of the uh, of the group of designers that are part of the problem of uh, producing a lot of cars and, and not looking at the solution of mobility. So the only way what to basically, again, did I did exactly what I did when I... I said to my parents, no, I'm going to be a designer, not an engineer. I decided to quick on the auto industry 
to get into an industry that uh, I was expecting and I'm still expecting, we may offer to design the level of empowerment that design need. We need a version of, uh, of uh, augmented design to address the complexity the world is uh, demonstrating. And so to do so, you, you need to shift to another level. You need to, uh, to, to really get into a, a new level of, uh, of demand for design. And that means that uh, design have to embrace, uh, I'm not going to call digital tools because that's not what I'm talking. I'm talking really the scientific approach of uh, mathematical models. And I know I use uh, some uh, barbarian terms here. But uh, they are a way for us to actually address the way the world is going by design. And right now, designers are not uh, really approaching those scientific questions because we are not being trained to actually uh, get in touch with science. We've been trained as craft and artist and, and uh, sketcher and uh, uh, maybe uh, meta planner, narrative. Uh, but collaborative, uh, you know, you know, experience uh, proposition, servicial proposition. But here we need to get to the next step. And I'm working at the system since 10 years. And in doing so, I realized that uh, I, I met again a, another quantip leap, quantip leap, in a way that uh, emerging uh, a design thinking approach into a, a scientifically based company, a company that uh, code software, not for executing uh, parts, huh, but uh, to actually the way you think the world is working. It's a place we need a lot of designers and we don't see many yet. Fantastic uh, background. And, and um, of course, the current role is, is very groundbreaking as well. So maybe just to... Um, to look back, um, and we'll circle back on the the amazing career in automotive industry. And I appreciate your your nobility and ambition to to want to do more things at scale, as you said. Uh, cars were at that point maybe part of the problem, and looking um, not at at full solution provider. So you're now with uh, Dassault Systems, and uh, uh, maybe if you could just say a few words for the uh, listeners who's not familiar, maybe with the the company, maybe some of the products. Uh, you said before about system design and experience design and empowering design to to have more impact. Um, so could you just give a little context about the so systems? And then mm-hmm. what are some of the challenges that you're facing in that current role with with design to really help lead the business? So uh, Dassault System is a, is a French company. Now it's a European company. It's a, the worldwide leader in uh, 3D for automotive, aerospace, almost the 12 industries that needs to represent on a virtual twin uh, their product or their process or their enterprise. So Dassault System is young because uh, we can consider it's young when you're being founded in 81. I joined Dassault System uh, a little bit more than 10 years ago, we were maybe 5,000 people. Now we are 20,000. The reason I, I get connected with Dassault System was in my early te- career when I was at Renault, we were designing the, the Megane. And Dassault System was a, a, a software provider for all of the engineering and design team uh, with the digital mock-up. The digital mock-up is basically... Uh, 
becoming now a no-brainer for for anyone who is working in large scale with uh, large uh, design teams. It's the ability to actually visualize all of the aspects of your design. That means all of the uh, contributor to the design, and in a car, it's probably a uh, with the plane, uh, the, 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 one of the most uh, complex product on earth that you can uh, imagine to do. And the digital mock-up allows uh, every uh, actors and whatever it's an engineer, a marketer, a designer to actually see the, the master model uh, to, to progress. And so it's, uh, it's becoming basically the medium for collaboration. And that was created in the 80s. And that was, was able to actually witness in my early career when I was doing the Megan 2. At the time, I was working with Carlos Tavares, that is now the CEO of PSA, I mean, Stellantis, that is also FCA now. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, during that time, uh, the system uh, uh, move and progress as a software company to actually uh, propose to any car maker, but not only the ability for them to digitalize their process. So joining the system, it's not about, uh, you know, when you are a designer and you work for a software company, there are very two ways of using the value of design. The first one is obviously uh, helping uh, the user experience of the product of the company you are working in. So typically, the system now is providing a, a complete platform for any industry, wherever you are working in packaging, in architecture, in uh, because, you know, like, let's say, uh, Frank Gehry, Zahadid, when they do this uh, curvy architecture, it's done in Katia. It's uh, it's uh, one of the uh, major uh, software we provide in the platform. But the platform allows also the collaboration among the creative teams. We can uh, also simulate uh, so they are uh, very powerful tools for simulation. They are very powerful tools for making uh, cost allocation. And now we do have a very powerful tool for what we call the life cycle assessment. That means that when you do something, you are capable to visualize end-to-end before you even have started to build the product, to visualize it and test it and assess it on many criteria. And the level of compliance you can give to those criteria, it's not just the way the, the, the object will crash, it could go all the way to the impact the object may have on a CO2 emission or on the way it would be uh, discarded, uh, what is its uh, footprint and unprint uh, all along its life cycle. Um, it allows you to actually uh, test all of the scenarios of assembly uh, that allow you to do a, a very smart eco-design. So there are plenty of possibilities just because you have this ability to visualize what you do virtually. And uh, actually, when, I'm, when I explain that very quickly, I say, mm, it sounds like explaining what design is all about. You have a virtual ID, you have a concept, then you sketch, then you model, then you present, uh, you communicate, and then it's being executed by manufacturing. Imagine that all that design phase now could be digitalized. Then you start to ask the questions, you know, why there are no more, more designers that are taking uh, more and embracing more this kind of a life cycle approach of, of, of uh, not just product, but actually all the way to services and experience. It's because actually it's, it has gone so fast. Uh, the possibilities are 
are being being built as we speak, uh, and they are so powerful. Uh, yet, very few designers are taking those capabilities into account. So, I've seen this in ten years since I joined the system, and now the platform has incredibly uh, involved. And uh, so, I feel very excited about the fact that. Uh, it's like as a designer, you know, when you want to do something, you have to create your own tools. When we had to create collaboration and, and, and get into this notion of design thinking, we had to create the template. We have to help people to understand what is the protocol for the collaboration. Then, you know, we have uh, feedbacks that could be used. How do you transform user research into a, a decent requirement for a, for a product? All of those protocol and process uh, are, are very important and designers can not only rely on things that are already being done. Design is all about designing, but also designing the tools that will help you to design. And very often, uh, you those two things go in parallel. So I feel very blessed to make that decision that uh, uh, at the time I, I thought, well, maybe I stay uh, one, two or three years because my uh, my intention at the time was uh, it was a missing uh, you know knowledge and know-how that was missing in my in my competencies and my experience is to know more about what really exists behind the, uh, the 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 software and and the way we because in France you know software it's called logiciel so the word means logic of thinking so when you start to imagine that a software is actually a logic of thinking, uh, you wonder why designers are not part of it, of the creation of those softwares. So that's very important that uh, we are not only serving designers uh, with the, the, the right processes. Uh, we also want to, uh, to, to learn from the designer when they are using it. So I created a, a, a think tank, a lab. Uh, I call it design studio because I like this notion of studio. Studio for me means, uh, as we are talking here, it's a moment of creation. It could be music studio, uh, could be media studio, or it could be design studio. And uh, we have a transdisciplinary team of uh, various uh, competencies in design and engineering. And what we try to do is to collaborate within the platform with uh, iconic designers, but also uh, young startups uh, by designs. I say by design because we like to... Uh, to focus on startups that text put design really on their value proposition because you see a lot of startups only on the technology side. And we try to, uh, to learn about the process of collaborating in a digital or a virtual uh, environment, a virtual space. We have seen with the COVID that uh, our intuition was the right one that uh, uh, a lot of, of, uh, of the common uh, processes of design not all of them can be virtualized. So we learn a lot during this uh, confinement time and COVID time uh, in the way designers were leveraging digital tools uh, to, to continue to just get business as usual, but also to realize that actually uh, by just uh, moving more virtually, there are a lot of things that could be uh, augmented. We also have recognized uh, what cannot be virtualized. We have recognizing this uh, humanized part of uh, the design process and um, uh, with more clarity. And that helps us today to actually uh, uh, improve and also select what should be done uh, physically 
in presence, in a face-to-face, and what could be digitalized. And the segmentation between both is not something we will have uh, thought in a vacuum room uh, by just like, uh, you know, projecting some of the things that we were doing before, but by just exactly making some try, iterate with designers in the platform and learn about uh, what works well and, and what doesn't work so well. So to me, it's really important that uh, the world is basically, there are no turn back. It's more complex. We need systemic view of things. So we need system thinking. Uh, that's the that's system. Uh, system thinking is it's what we do for a living. But uh, we also need to make it sustainable. So the sustainability challenges that we have facing us, uh, they are, we need to be tooled. We need to, to, to keep this design thinking uh, going, but we need to, to empower the design thinking with the right uh, capacities. And those capacities exist. We need to learn about to, uh, to take the best of it, to be very segregative, uh, uh, not accept the notion of control. We need to be able to have uh, uh, openness in the choice of, uh, of processes. So all of those tests, those virtual universe that we are creating to, to help people to embrace uh, a new way of, uh, of design, new uh, talent too, we have to, uh, to recognize that there are uh, new uh, competencies that are needed. Usually we know that design leaders need to know about business, but that was already last decade. The new decade is really about, they need to learn about science. We need to be uh, talking toe-to-toe with scientists because if we don't do that, we may see uh, artificial intelligence to replace designers because we know today from a form with a gener- generative tools, I don't know if you know that, but uh, it's possible to do uh, mm-hmm. a thousand of variant of the same product and the machine can do it uh, better than any man. So we need to focus on what the machine cannot do and this is a huge, huge task. Yeah, uh, maybe if I could just build upon that. So I've got a whole page full of notes, and I think we can probably <laughs> we can probably go for days on some of these topics here. A really yes. amazing positioning and opportunity. I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper. Um, you had talked about, let's say, where design is moving. Uh, of course, uh, being a digital pioneer uh, in the space. As you said, maybe the designers haven't caught up yet to to the tools and and so forth of of, of digitalization, and and we agree completely that at some point it might be um, augmented reality, virtual reality, digitalized, uh, so forth. But I wanted to circle back to something you said about um, you know from which of course includes sustainability, but also let's say social issues or opportunities. So, are there any thoughts about where design is going to help? solve some challenges or help to collaborate in in making the world a better place from a sustainable and societal point of view? What's your thoughts on that? I'm thinking that uh, it's clearly uh, uh, one of the critical um, journey design have to to take. Uh, It's not easy. It's not easy because as designers, uh, if I circle back to what you said, you know, designers are not embracing digital. They do. Uh, designer embrace every uh, new things, but what I would like to talk now is uh, a change of direction in the way designers design. It's basically a change of attitude. 
the progress in design that did happen this, uh, I will say, three, four decades after World War II was really based on enabling business. And what I see now is uh, uh, we need to uh, enable sustainability. Mm-hmm. And it, it shifts entirely to me uh, your priorities as a designer, as a leader, as a, as a person. The ability for designer to actually uh, interact directly with the citizen, by example, for any bottom-up uh, policy design or experiment, proof of concept, uh, uh, the way the design basically uh, uh, enable uh, the territories to seize uh, the issues, the social issues, uh, cultural issues, or just the mobility issues of their uh, people living in, in their given territories, designers, no-brainer, are really a, a key uh, partner for those uh, public sectors. Yet, very often, it's very local, it's very fragmented, it's not being taken uh, seriously. And when I say seriously, I will say like an industry, like something that really firing up uh, our economy. So that step can only be uh, done if designers start to really uh, shift so it, it's difficult because we are talking still today about the value of design for uh, getting a position in the company that the company need to understand the value of a design leaders. That's it's all what's happening right now. Uh, every design uh, leaders are talking about that. When in reality, uh, we need to actually uh, lift our sight into a much uh, longer horizon that is actually right in our uh, our footstep. Um, it's really this bifurcation. I don't know if, if there are term in English, uh, a change of, of direction or shift of direction where we basically need to convoke the most important quality of design. That's the, that is to uh, basically, we used to say human-centered. In this case, we actually not just only human-centered, but uh, I will say uh, every living <laughs> Uh, element of things, uh, human and non-human, uh, should be at the heart of our thinking. And today, this does not compute with the traditional way the company is building uh, their purpose. The purpose of company has been to provide uh, business and uh, and uh, incomes for uh, for the stakeholders. So these big things is probably the the, the next new. Uh, new front of, uh, of discussion. It's difficult because when you are very well established in a given place, it's very hard to basically shift and, uh, and try to project yourself in a place where your equity does not exist yet. Mm-hmm. But that's really what uh, needs to be done. And since it's difficult, there are uh, a, a large group of designers and young designers, mostly uh, the new generation that are embracing uh, this path of policy making, where before we, um, we, we get into redesigning our day-to-day uh, life uh, uh, in the choices we make in energy, in the, in the, in the product we consume, the, uh, the way we assemble our, our high-tech uh, products and so on we need to actually tackle the subject on the policy level. 
and and so the discussion and the heart and the hot topics they are really on regulation compliance and, and policies right now so i am not uh, in all sincerity uh, entirely involved in that i follow up because my industrial background and it's a case for most industrial designer uh, just leads me to okay i let you know it's like when you are a, a team player in, on the field you have to trust you know the aisle <laughs> the guys who's, who, or the distribution of the the ball you know in in the game uh, to trust that at, uh, when you will be close to the to the goal, you will be able to actually uh, shoot the the ball in, uh, in 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 the cage because every design initiative will have worked in concert. You know they will have worked all together. So the design community have to realize that they have to rely on each other because there are different actions, and all those actions have to work in a synergy in symbiosis. And uh, on my particular front, I want to be one of the person who will be enable the designer when it comes to to do better product, better services, and better experiences, leveraging the virtual twin. So basically, the virtuality of what we do, and what is great about virtual uh, virtuality of the proposition is you can invite not just the traditional player, the engineer, the designer in the large company in closed loop, uh, close uh, mean close, uh, not open. Well, the virtual twin allow you to actually, you can invite any uh, citizen, any anyone to actually see what, uh, so we move from narrative to, uh, I will say, uh, serious game uh, type experiences where basically the citizen can visualize really what's, may happen uh, or the consequences of a decision that sometimes may have a very uh, unpredictable impact uh, where you sometimes think, you know, this is the right decision. You may be surprised if we just run the simulation of that decision into uh, a particular town or a particular uh, quarter or uh, a particular choice of a multi-mobility system or or, or, or even it can get into the regulation you could put in place that can lead to a, a ripple effect that are very much not desirable. So this is why I believe that my role is not the only one, it's just a little role in the, in the placement of a very complex movement of designers in different spaces. Uh, the one that is growing, that I expressed, that is really working on territories, on public sectors, on collectivity, way of life. Joe Biden have announced some dramatic, uh, uh, but dramatic, positive, dramatic, uh, uh, and, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, goals for for CO2 and and sustainability for a near future. If you stay in that very meta level, if you don't have designers very close to anyone in the industry, in the small company and big company, in startups, uh, to actually make the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 to accompany, I don't know, the, uh, to, to follow up, to, to stay t- in touch uh, with all of those initiatives yes. by design, it may be not a really good uh, aesthetic and ethical world we may have at the end. So, I believe I believe strongly in design, and I'm a designer, so it's a natural thing that we can get a new deal by design. And seriously, I think it goes very quickly on the public sectors, 
the challenge is going to be to change from the inside the companies, the large company. The smaller size company, uh, they, they often have not yet completely entirely take the benefits of the value of design in their product. And we still have that conversation with them. But the large company are the one that today uh, may be the uh, main players, the main decision makers of the world of tomorrow. It's already the case. Uh, large company have uh, taking uh, uh, even a bigger uh, role in the impact they may have uh, in the world sometime beyond uh, the decision that could be made on a nation level or a state level. So uh, the challenge for designers, the one who are working in large company like me, but also uh, the leaders in Nike, uh, in Coca-Cola, uh, in Renault, in, uh, in Chrysler, these leaders, uh, they have to open up to a completely new set of knowledge, a new set of argument, uh, and to be uh, actors in the New Deal by design. That means working on those uh, purpose-driven uh, companies, enable those companies by proof of concept, proof point of uh, that sustainability could be good for business also. And uh, so we need to... To, to get to those designers and design leaders the, the knowledge. And that knowledge uh, is not yet accessible or easily accessible. So we need also to share best practices. So it's very, uh, very much at the beginning, but we see this movement uh, growing clearly. That's uh, fantastic to hear. And I'm just nodding and smiling here. Uh, because a few things that you said were, were speaking the same language. You had said, you know, we need to lift our sights to a new horizon, uh, focus on, on on all living organisms. And that's something that we're very passionate about as well. We're, we, we have a position called Design for Humanity, and we mm-hmm. actually have a model called the Four Horizons. And, uh, and it really is about becoming more of that purpose-driven organization, right, from experience uh, to purpose-driven. And you've shared so many uh, amazing insights, uh, your background, your experiences, your advice on to, uh, you know, how to better uh, equip the design community with the digital tools, uh, how to influence and impact business, both both small startups and large organizations. Just in closing here, Anne, is there any additional, because you've given so much, any additional or let's say key advice that you might want to share with our listeners who who really want to you know, follow in your footsteps in, in, in advanced design in the organizations that they work for. Uh, any final advice or, or, or words of thought for the listeners that maybe is a, a key takeaway? I may uh, offer you three. The first one in the continuation of what we just said, designers are, uh, we are uh, a community of uh, optimism, uh, optimist people. Uh, we are creators, we, we, we are actors and, and agents of change. So we only uh, see the positive things of, of, of what it takes to change things because it's part of our DNA. So what I would like to offer, number one, is uh, uh, it's been hard to actually uh, impact the value of design in the big and large company because we don't speak uh, metrics, we don't speak numbers. And we are getting into, if, if we were not speaking numbers when it was the time. So designers, we, we don't speak numbers. And the, uh, you know, we have a, a person in France that is very well known, it's called uh, Alain Soupio. He has written a book called The uh, Governance by Numbers. And at the time, we were talking just the numbers of the current industry. 
But when we're going to be on the digital uh, side of the industry, and we can see it already, those numbers are getting greater. Almost that, that, that we cannot count anymore those numbers. So designers have to understand that those new level of compliance, they need to address it. They cannot ignore it. So it's not about getting a, a business language. It's about getting comfortable with numbers. It doesn't mean you have to be good at it. You have to understand that the only way we're going to change, uh, you know, the sustainability issues is by transforming uh, one way or another our design into index and metrics. I, I personally hate it, <laughs> but that's, yeah, there are no other way. Yes. The second one, the second one is uh, clearly you don't get, uh, I never, I, it's not a good thing to say, but uh, I never really follow what people ask me to do. I always did it in my own uh, uh, conviction. And I would recommend that uh, if you are a, a designer and you are looking at making a decision, do it by heart. Don't do it by by your brain. So I, I, I always did it. Every time I made the decision, uh, I could tell you that was the that was obviously the less obvious one, mm -hmm. and it always been the best one. So I I will recommend that. And the last one, I'm a woman. I was at this period of time where. Uh, being a, a, a woman in the car industry, I mean, being a woman in the car industry was a, one thing and being a designer was another one. I'm very pleased. I'm so happy to see so many young, but not so young also, female designer making their marks and, and, and uh, having their own way of thinking. We should not forget, uh, we always talk about uh, singularity as designers. But uh, we move from uh, uh, individual value now to collective values. That means diversity is important. And I'm not talking diversity about gender. I'm talking about diversity as a, as, as a whole. So I recommend that if you are a design leader, look at how many women work with you. And um, if you are a woman, please just uh, pave the way for the other one coming because we will be in a better shape. <laughs> voilà. Wow. Um, fantastic. And again, uh, I've got so many notes here and so many great insights. I think maybe there's even a follow up to to dig deeper into some of these things. Uh, we, we've gone uh, a little bit long on the recording and I know there's tons of um, insights for the viewers. So I think this is something that might be uh, uh, something to listen to a few times. So in closing, and uh, again, really appreciate your your experience, uh, your story. And uh, in closing, uh, I think that one of the three things you said are they're all uh, of course, true to heart, but the one you said is do it by heart. And it's very mm -hmm. clear that you have a passion uh, for your role and, and uh, all the challenges that you have and the obstacles you've overcome that you stated in the beginning. So uh, with that being said, I would just like to thank you very much uh, for your time and sharing your experiences, or shall I say, uh, merci beaucoup. And uh, uh, You're welcome. We <laughs> We thank you very much, and uh, we hope to uh, continue the conversation at some point down the road. So thank you very much, uh, yeah. Anne. Yeah. It was my pleasure, and I hope next time we see it in flesh. Uh, so my pleasure, really. Uh, I really appreciate talking to you today. Okay. Well, we appreciate it as well, and uh, all the best uh, for the future ahead. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for joining us for this session of the Design Leadership Podcast. I do hope that you gain some valuable insights and inspiration to help further you along in your path in design leadership. 
If you would like to learn more on how myself and my colleagues have helped to empower design leaders for the past 22 years through consulting, coaching, educating, and uniting design leaders across the globe, please check out our suite of services found online at empowering.design. I wish you the best of success in your design leadership journey and pursuit of design excellence. Be well and stay safe.